Hello, and welcome to The Tex Mix, brought to you by The Texas Signal. My name is Jessica Montoya-Coggins, and today I am joined by an extraordinary leader in the immigration reform space, uh, Gabby Pacheco. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's great being with you. Uh, so Gabby is the program director of the Dream US, the largest scholarship fund for dreamers. Uh, she has been a champion for dreamers uh, in 2010, along with three other undocumented students. They led the Trail of Dreams. It was a four month walk from Miami to Washington to call attention to the struggles of immigrant families who live with a constant fear of deportation. Gabby was also the political director for United We Dream, an organization that essentially led to the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program that we now know as DACA. Um, I've had the opportunity uh, to, to hear from Gabby at many various events, uh, particularly with MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Uh, she is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm, I'm just really excited to, to get to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tell us what made you sort of embark upon becoming an activist and going on the trail of dreams? You know, um, that's such a good question. And it always takes me back and makes me feel the same kind of feelings that I had then, um, which was despair. I was just feeling so much anger and despair during that time because um, we had seen already uh, what had happened with the lack of immigration reform, not just during the Bush administration, but the Obama administration. Um, my family had been raided. Um, our home had been raided in 2006. And I um, knew firsthand what it felt like to uh, be scared of being separated from your family. Um, my parents and my sisters were put in deportation proceedings. And my sister actually had a young son. And we had to have discussion around, you know, who would be taking care of him if, if she happened to be deported? Um, would he go back um, and, and be in a foreign country um, or stay here in the States? Um, and so all of that, you know, kind of started brewing something inside of me. And, and, um, uh, and in the other four, uh, other three individuals also, there were a lot of things that were happening. Um, things like, you know, they couldn't go to college or their scholarships were being taken away from being undocumented. And then we started seeing young people, our friends being detained and deported. And we thought, you know, this is enough. This is, this is too much and, and we need to do something about this. And um, we're willing to put our lives and, and our bodies on the line because we want to belong in this nation, because we want to show the world and show this country that um, not only is this our nation too, but that we're deserving of a chance to be able to get um, uh, immigration reform to regularize our status. And so um, more importantly, we also wanted to hold the president accountable. During that time, he had said that he was gonna do immigration reform within the first 100 days, and it was already two years, and he was deporting um, the most amount of people that we had ever seen, even in the Bush administration. And so um, we wanted to hold him accountable and we wanted him to provide deferred action for young people like ourselves um, to protect us from deportation. And this is where, in essence, the campaign for deferred action for childhood arrivals came about. So in Texas, we are basically a ground zero for a lot of anti-immigration bills. Our attorney general, Ken Paxton, who is currently under investigation by the FBI, uh, he really has led the charge against DACA. If you had a chance to talk to him, which 
I'm not sure you necessarily want to, but if you could, what would you try and let him know about why his his efforts to to stop DACA are so misguided? Yeah, I think exactly that's the question I would ask him. Why? You know, why is he trying to hurt um, young people? Why is he trying to um, go against the grain? Uh, DACA is such a popular program. Um, It has been around now since 2012. It has created um, an opportunity for so many young people to not only be protected from deportation, that's one of the benefits, but the other benefit is being able to get a work authorization card. And that work authorization card has allowed us young people to move ahead with our lives, uh, with our families. Um, education you know, has opened a lot of doors. And um, uh, with all of that, it just has made us be, be able to be better or, or greater contributors to our communities because we've been able to get better jobs. We've been able to, um, you know, there's over 200 uh, documented individuals who are either in medical school, have gone through medical school or are in residency. Um, we are, uh, there's over 40,000 young people who are in the front lines of COVID response, either being nurses or assistant nurses or working in hospitals. And so, you know, when you look at that, you're, you, you wanna know why, what is it that, that he feels it's so wrong with young people um, wanting to, or doing good, you know, in their communities. It, it just uh, completely goes against um, even his, his own party. Um, when you look at uh, polls as well, the, the latest polls, the Quinnipiac poll, you know, we're, we're now polling in the 80s percent when you average out um, between Republicans, Democrats, and independents who su- are supportive of immigration reform, are supportive of DREAMers, are supportive of the DREAM Act. That's very high. I mean, you, you find most, I think I read somewhere that like Dolly Parton had a 72% favorability rating. So this means like DACA is more popular than Dolly Parton. That's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, as as you you you, sort of, you brought up uh, the how many uh, folks with DACA are on the front lines, and I've really been thinking about that, especially with COVID nineteen, which I think has really laid a lot of the iniquities we face in society. Sort of has has shown that, um, and I I know that uh, right now, as uh, you know, in Washington, they're debating COVID relief. But you're starting to see even some Democrats who don't want to ensure that the undocumented receive vaccines or stimulus checks. Um, how, how does that make you feel? Well, you know, there's this saying or there's this whole idea that undocumented people live in the shadows. And it's not because, you know, we as, undocu- as an undocumented community want to live like that. It's because um, we, we get marginalized. And um, this is, I think, one of the, the most uh, hypocritical policies or hypocritical politics that we have in our country, where we say we, want, we don't want immigrants in our country, but yet businesses flourish from the, the arms um, and the sweat and, and the work of immigrants, um, households, uh, nannies, people who work in the fields, people who are um, working in restaurants, et cetera, you know, are, are making sure that our economy is still um, moving forward. And even in, in recession times, you know, we, we um, as immigrants are able to help, you know, move the economy forward. And yet you have politicians that 
um, want to push you down and, and keep you further down in the shadows. And, you know, it's, it's very disheartening because it feels um, like, you know, we're a disposable community and we're not, you know, we are human beings like anyone else. We have needs um, and we have made this country our home and we are proud, you know, many of us are proud to, you know, say that, yes, we might not be citizens on papers, but in our hearts, we are, you know, in our hearts, we love this country and this nation and we love our communities. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we do have a new presidential administration um, can you sort of see, let us know how, how you see sort of the DACA legislation going um, as where there is a, a case pending uh, that, again, our Texas Attorney General uh, brought, brought forward against DACA? Um, and and what, what do you think the chances are of meaningful immigration reform happening? Well, I think it's important to, to explain the stark difference between the Trump administration, the Biden administration, and just within the first, I would say, 20 days, even within the first week, um, the rhetoric that was coming out of the Biden administration versus what we had, you know, Trump saying about immigrants, about Mexicans, about, um, you know, Muslims and, and other communities um, of color and, and immigrant communities, it's just completely night and day. And, um, you know, I think that that's uh, something that has brought a lot of hope and a fresh air to, to the community um, because we felt we were under attack and the level of anxiety and fear that the Trump administration put in our community was real. I felt it, certainly myself. I, I, um, the minute that I learned that Trump had won, um, the next couple of months was grueling. I couldn't sleep. I was so scared about what he was going to do once he came into office. Um, and he did a lot of cruel things and he changed a lot of our immigration system and made it um, not just an enforcement only system, but also a system that um, was inhumane and did not treat human beings and people with dignity and respect. Um, but saying all that, I think that um, you know, we, we have to be also very cautious um, and not to um, get too content, right, with the fact that we have a new administration that has already started doing good things. And one of the good things that they did on the DACA memo, for example, was they fortified it and um, they undid everything that the Trump administration did which was really good because it allowed for young people who um, were not able to apply for DACA because the Trump administration, in essence, um, ended first, first time applicants from being able to apply. It opened the doors again for those young people. Um, just recently today, um, as of today, I was talking to a reporter from Telemundo who was telling me about a young woman who is top of her class and her teachers are advocating for her and are trying to figure out if she is DACA eligible. And I was really happy to tell her that not only was she DACA eligible, but she can apply for it. And, and they were really excited and happy for her. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 there's good news in that front but also you have things like the Fifth Circuit, right? And what you were mentioning and Judge Hainan, um, which right now um, the, the DACA case um, lies in, in his courtroom. And there's a lot of worry about what's gonna potentially happen. Um, I don't necessarily think that DACA is going to end, um, but I do think that it's just gonna make it a lot harder for people to have 
um, access to, to that status that has been a lifesaver for a lot of young people. And, you know, I think um, this is why it's even more urgent for some sort of legislation to already um, pass. Um, we've been waiting for the DREAM Act for 20 years. It's <laughs> I can't, like every single time I say it, I can't believe it. I'm like, it's been 20 years. Um, it would be an adult now, you know, uh, if it would be a, a human being. I can almost being, get a drink. <laughs> I almost get a drink, exactly. It could, it could, you know, be a college student now. Um, and it just, uh, it's so uh, incredible to me that, um it's been introduced so many times. It's a bipartisan legislation. It has had support from so many Republicans. It's a um, legislation that it's a no brainer, yet we still have not been able to pass it. And we still, you know, you have now young people that are in their late thirties. I'm, I'm right now, I, I was able to benefit from a marriage petition and that's how I was able to um, leave my DACA um, status to a, a green card or a legal permanent resident. Um, but, you know, I, I just think about all those young people who are my age who are 35, 36, who came to know about the DREAM Act when they were 18, 19 years old um, and have been waiting their whole entire lives for this. And yet we still have not passed it. So, you know, there's a lot in the line. And um, I think that, you know, DACA was never meant to be uh, uh, something that was eternal, right? It was supposed to be something temporary while we can get Congress to, do, to take action and legislate as they're supposed to be doing. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot at stake here. And hopefully, um, Judge Hainan doesn't doesn't follow, um, you know, what Paxton and, and others uh, tried to do and, and follow more of the Trumpism that we saw, but rather that he measures himself and sees, you know, how important this program has been and that it, it has not caused any harm. Rather, it, it's, it's been a good program and, it, and there's been so many benefits that we have seen from it. You know, in Texas in 2020, we had, uh, it was a, a tougher election for us as opposed to other states like, uh, you know, Georgia or Arizona. Um, and there's been a lot of discussion in, in terms of many Democrats, uh, particularly down the Rio Grande Valley, about, uh, you know, being fearful of bold immigration efforts, uh, you know, as they're trying to thwart off uh, Republican takeovers. What would you say to those Democrats who might be a little afraid of, of uh, you know, really advocating for immigration reform? So um, what I would say is that um, we're in a different place that we were even five years ago. Um, reality is that immigration reform, and, and, and I think um, the Trump administration tried really hard to demonize immigrants, but I think they failed. They failed to do that. And only what, what the only people who um, fell in the lies were extremists. And what I would say to those Democrats is don't fall in the lies of extremists and don't become an extremist. And um, be, you know, I, I wouldn't even say be courageous, but rather do your job. You know, your job is not to get reelected. Your job is to legislate. And if you legislate and you do the right thing, you're, you will get reelected. That's the thing that happened with the DACA program. Um, you know, during that time, 
Marco Rubio had a legislation very similar to uh, DACA. And we went to the White House and we said, who do you want us to support? You know, do you want um, Latinos to go out and support Senator Rubio or do you want us, you know, Latinos to go and support you? And, you know, he opted to do this and, and he did the right thing. You know, it, it took a lot of work to be able to do the DACA program, but um, people, rewarded him for it. And I think Democrats will get rewarded for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to our attorney general, who, again, I want to remind folks that he is under investigation by the FBI for abusive office, bribery. Um, but this is a person who uses very reprehensible language when it comes to immigrants. Uh, he is actually up for reelection in 2022. Um, there's also some question whether he'll even remain on the ballot or if Republicans would would like to see somebody else take over in that position. Um, but what would it mean for, for the whole immigration reform movement to actually have an attorney general in Texas who cared about immigrants? It would be huge. And I think that Texas, um, its history, right, as, as a state that it is, it's a, it's a state that has um, the the border right with Mexico and um, has a, one of the largest Mexican American communities in the nation. You know, I, I think that um, demonizing immigrants, you know, where you have places like Houston and um, that are Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, you know, places that are thriving because of immigrants, um, it would be just a disservice to do to that state to continue to demonize immigrants the way that Paxson has been doing so. So having a, a attorney general that understands and gets it, you know, it's it's going to make Texas be a state that it should always be, right? It's a state that um, uh, is proud of its roots, it's proud of its people, and it's proud to, um, you know, be above and beyond uh, these, the, the rhetoric that we constantly hear from, from anti-immigrants and, and folks who uh, are, in my opinion, um, their agenda is more extremist and, and more on the nationalist you know, kind of side. So um, it, it would be a huge game changer. And I think that for the economy of Texas, welcoming immigrants will help it flourish, for sure it would help it flourish. Um, and lastly, could you uh, just sort of share with us a little bit about what your organization does and what it means to be able to provide scholarships to to dreamers? Sure. Yeah. So the Dream That US started in 2013, and we've been providing scholarships to dreamers since then. Um, those that have DACA, TPS, and um, are now undocumented. And um, for us, uh, we just were leading, and uh, you know, Texas was. Texas and California actually fight to see who's number one and who provided in-state tuition. But, um, you know, it was Texas and and California who led the way in 2001 to provide in-state tuition for undocumented students. And I think that's something for Texas to be very proud of. And for us at the Dream.us, we feel um, extremely proud of that and um, have uh, partnered with many different organizations and institutions of higher learning um, throughout the, the state to be able to provide education for these young people. And we've done, we've provided over a thousand um, scholarships now there. Um, and that translated into millions of dollars that have come into the state 
um, through the Dream.us scholarship program. And we hope that more and more young people continue to apply um, because we know that the rate of how much money one person can make um, having a college education versus just high school education is about a million dollars in a lifetime. So um, we, we value education and we value um, and, and want to honor what Texas did in 2001 being um, a champion for these young people so early on. Um, you, maybe you guys can have bragging rights and say you, you were the first. <laughs> yes, we, we, can, we can. I mean, there really was a time when, you know, Republicans in Texas were, were very pro, pro immigration. And, and uh, you know, and I mean, to, to George Bush's credit, uh, that was, I think, one area where he, he, he always uh, at least kind of would, would try and stay on the right side of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to, to convey about why immigration reform is so important and so necessary? You know, there is the, the human argument, which is um, it is just unexplicable to have so many people that knowingly that we have so many people in the country that have no status and our country, our system has not found a way to do it. It was the last time we did some sort of reform was in 1986. And, um, you know, it's been 35 years since then, and we still are waiting, right, to, for our legislators to do something. And so um, I would say that it's time to, to do something about it. Uh, you know, the country is going to be way better off of it. Other countries are doing it in France. Um, the COVID responders were given uh, citizenship for being able to support and help um, the country. You know, right now there's so many things that are needed and just on the human on the human side, you know, we're talking about human beings. We're not talking about products. And unfortunately that's the way we, we look at immigrants. We look at immigrants just as products and we're, we're more than that. We're, we are individuals that have families that are in the communities that we go to the churches and the grocery stores and um, you know, the parks and the schools that other you know, US citizens and other children get to go to. And so um, what I would say is that you know, there, there's so many arguments and, and if we start talking about the trillions and billions of dollars that um, it would generate, you know, every time that an immigration reform bill gets scored by the CBO, it always scores very high and it scores in the billions of dollars where um, through taxes and fines and fees, uh, you'll be able to generate um, uh, dollars and, and money into the and, and insert all of that into the economy. So the arguments are all there. It's just is is there willingness to fix it and and finally get something done? That that's where I think the question lies. Well, I, I again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, once again, my thanks to Gabby Pacheco, and I'm hopeful that. Uh, we could see one another at an in-person event, maybe at some point, some point yeah. this year. Um, as you, I, every time we talk about immigrants, I, I always, you know, flash to the Hamilton, the famous saying from Hamilton. So maybe. <laughs> Soon. Uh, so thank you again for joining us on the Text Mix. Uh, you can follow us at Text Mix Podcast, and we will chat with you again soon.